The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis of the Horn. Welcome back to the Sports Complex on a Tuesday afternoon. On the show today, we will talk some more Texas K-State as we keep on the week. Moving on to TCU, but we still have some to wrap up about Texas K-State, about the quarterback play, about what the quarterback play will be going forward. We'll get into all of that. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day. Play him some sound from Hook Him Up as well. Uh, Texas basketball gets their first win of the season in deciding fashion. Getting a big win uh, Texas does. We'll talk a little bit of Texas basketball, what we saw, what we could learn. What uh, I didn't mean we didn't learn much, but we learned some. We saw our players. We saw the new team for the first time. What we learned from that, we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll also talk a little NFL and uh, some notes from around the NFL as well on the show today. And, of course, your text, 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Uh, if you guys have anything you want to talk about today, college football playoff rankings, the new ones will come out. We'll see if Texas moves. Uh, so we'll have that for you as well, all on the show today. But uh, always keep that text line rolling for us. If you want to talk about it, then we will try to get to whatever you mentioned. We try to read everybody's text here on the Sports Complex. I hope everybody is having a good week, getting started off well. Had a, I got to watch Texas basketball last night. That was fun to see some college basketball start off the big upset of Michigan State by uh, James Madison that was a huge upset uh so we got a big a big upset we you know we got a Monday night football game where Brandon Staley finally looked like a head coach his defense finally shut someone down it took it to be Zach Wilson but he finally shut somebody down and uh now we're we're right into the week we're into a Tuesday we're getting some uh some notes from Quinn Ewers on his social media Quinn's posting some cryptic things well, so we'll see, you know, maybe, maybe Quinn Ewers is back. We'll get into all that. Uh, let's play some more. Uh, let's talk some more about Texas football uh, after that win against K-State. We've had another day to think about, another day to be a little more positive uh, about Texas and K-State game, uh, moving a little bit further away from it about the positives. And and I've seen a lot of stuff about, you know, where, you know, you went kind of heavy or I went heavy and a lot of people went heavy on Malik Murphy and how, how bad it went in that interim between his first interception and basically that last drive. In the last drive, he did put it together. And, you know, Sark talked about uh, Malik responding. Sark talked about uh, really what it took for for him to respond in practice, but for him also to respond in the game that when everything was really going poorly and Sark stuck with him. And I get, I get the reasoning you want to stick with your quarterback. I get that, you know, Arch Manning is you know, just out of high school. 
He doesn't, he's been, you know, even if he's going to be really great one day, you don't necessarily want to put him out there in a situation where everyone is banking on him to come down and make this drive that you shouldn't even be in. But you had the turnovers. Now he's got to clean up somebody's mess. And and then if he does it, and heroically, then if Quinn Ewers is back the next week, you got to bench him again. So it's I, I get why you leave Malik Murphy out there. You believe in Malik Murphy too. Sark sees him every day in practice. Sark believes in him. Sark knows what he can do, and he knows what we all know, which was if you just you know focus, step back, don't let the moment be too big for you. You're a good enough player to do this. Plant your feet. Go back to your fundamentals. Just forget everything else, eliminate the noise, and go win the game. You'll be able to do that. Here's Sark talking about Malik responding after uh, having a pretty bad uh, end of the first half and end of the third quarter. I think Malik came back and had a really good practice today. Like I said, I was I was very proud of Malik uh, in the response that he had on the drive in that fourth quarter to to get us down to to kick that field goal with some some really big throws to AD, a really critical fourth down conversion to to JT Sanders. Uh, and like I said, I, I think he was throwing a touchdown to Xavier on the third down there in the red area. Uh, we didn't get we didn't get the pass interference or defensive holding call. We settled for the field goal, but that was a really critical drive in that game to, to take a three-point lead. So I think his response in-game uh, was pretty good, um, but I think today was was, was even better in, he, in his ability to come out and throw the ball and have command. So, um, you know, positives on that front. So there was positives. There is positives from Lane Murphy that he started off great on the plays that he knew and the plays he was going to go to. And maybe Sark in those last plays kind of went back to things that Malik was a little bit more comfortable with. I don't know what the you know why you would get away from those if he was having so many troubles, but I you know for whatever it was on the sideline, whatever leadership it was on the sideline, which we talked a lot about this season, that the veteran leadership on this team has been a big part of Texas being able to respond in these moments down when things are starting to go wrong and in and years past when things kind of stock, stockpiled and and you know everything started to go the wrong way, it just kept going downhill and spiraled. Whereas this Texas team seems to be able to cut it off at a point and fight back into it, you know, even at the Alabama game early in the season when Alabama fights back and takes a lead and Texas in short turn goes ahead and takes momentum and control back of the game. That's similar to what happened in this, you know, this happened a few times this season where Texas all of a sudden it backs against the wall. This one was even more so. This one goes to overtime. But you're to get down and to get the points and to get what you need and to win this, to, to get the win out of this game. And, yes, we can talk about K-State, that they should not have gone for it. Uh, I mean, it's a pretty standard go for it. I know, you know, I, I talked to Rod and Rod said that, you know, he talked to K-State fans and they were, everybody was against it. And of course, if it works, everybody's for it. If it works, everybody's for it. But the momentum would have told you that Texas was not having anything. Texas is terrible in the red zone. Just keep trying to play in overtime. So, you know, there, there's you can take whatever you want out of it. But Malik does get them down there, does get the field goal, does get them in a position to to get to overtime. They're able to win the game in overtime. There's some positives for Malik. But we just heard about Sark talking about responding after the play and responding in practice. Now Malik has to learn how to do some other things. Sark was asked about, with Malik especially, but every quarterback, and Quinn had these problems last year too, how do you teach a quarterback that is confident that you want to keep that swagger and you want to keep everything where he's going to look good out there? How do you get a quarterback to understand sometimes there's, you know, a, you can't save every play. Sometimes you just got to throw it away. Sometimes you just got to get the ball out of your hands 
and and just move on and move to the next play. Even if it's a fourth down or a third down, you shouldn't be doing that fourth down. You shouldn't be getting plays that are like that. But I know that's Sark. But the third down plays, you know, if you don't want to get into those, then you know you have to be able to you have to be able to get the ball. And, you know, you have to be able to get the ball out of bounds. You have to get sometimes you have to take a sack. Sometimes you have to do you have to do the unfavorable thing. You have to be the guy that, you know, maybe has some dirt on your face in the moment. But in the the grand scheme of things is going to come off even better is going to come off as, oh, well, he didn't have the turnover. And if you don't give Kansas State that short field, then Texas probably isn't in that position. If you don't, if you don't, you know, the Jonte Cook interception, that's a guy falling over, so I'm not going to fault him uh, completely on that one. But he, he just has now been multiple times that he has thrown across his body while getting hit. And Sark has got a good points in this talk. I like what he says about, you know, the difference of practice and play when you're talking about getting hit. And, you know, this is what we talked about, Bling Burphy, that he has not really had a ton of playing time in a very long time because he was injured his senior year of high school as well. So when you talk about the injuries senior year, when you talk about the injuries and scrimmages and not really being able to play last year, he hasn't had a ton of reps where he's allowed to be hit. And because of that, you kind of in your mind may turn to thinking that you're not going to be hit and your arm is not going to be hit on those throws. And the, you know, all the plays that you think you got the time to get the ball out. Now that window is closing and you have to step up in that. Here's start talking about, trying to teach a quarterback to throw the ball away, take the sack, make the right decision. But in the moment, it's not that easy. Well, I think that's, that's always the challenge for, for, you know, first, first time starters, you know, first two, three, four game starters uh, at quarterback, because, you know, in practice, you, you know, like we talked about last week about, you know, the guys rush the quarterback and the quarterbacks aren't allowed to be hit. And so they they pull off. And so sometimes you think, well, that's just how the game goes until you realize a guy's putting his helmet in your chest as you're as you're trying to throw the ball. So you realize, okay, they are actually going to hit me now. Uh, And two, there's not as many consequences in practice. You know, you can have some of those consequences in scrimmages, uh, but you don't get to have the consequences in practice when you throw an interception, when you force a ball, um, because you're going through the script of practice and you got to get certain plays repped and done. In game, you throw that interception, A, you're off the field, you know, B, they get the ball on your eight-yard line or whatever it is, and they score a touchdown. Like, it impacts everybody. And so sometimes you have to have the, the real-life experience. You have to have some of those growing pains to, to understand the value of those types of plays. Uh, and they're the least sexiest plays for a quarterback. It, it is a tough thing to do. The, one of the hardest plays a quarterback ever has to make is throwing a ball away. Um, because you think competitively, there's always a throw that I can make. But quite frankly, the most competitive play a lot of times you can make is throwing that away when you're competing for your team and the impact that it has for your team and earning the right to punt and let your defense go play defense and things of that nature. So it's a it's a big challenge. Um, it's a big challenge to coach. It's a big challenge for the player to understand the value in that. And like I said, I think sometimes 
you you have to have real life experience to to understand the significance of that play and the consequence of that play when when you make it. And so hopefully, um, like I said, I think that that he learns from that. Uh, and and we, we don't you know the the sign of a really good player is that they don't make the same mistakes twice and that they learn from those things. And I think you know Malik's a very conscientious young man, and uh, I think that he'll definitely learn from that. No, that's the hope, is that he will learn from that. Uh, now, we can't say he won't make the same mistake twice because he has on some of these. He, You know, the throwing off the back foot, the throwing across your body, he's made those mistakes. And, you know, you, you can't assume that he's completely going to be okay and not do it again. You just need to limit the times that you're making those mistakes because when you're putting yourself in third and longs and then you get a screen pass and they can blitz because – it's a third and 15, and now you're just going to try and get the ball out. But now they brought a blitz, and you're not ready for it. Those types of plays where they compound and compound, that's kind of where Malik was getting himself into trouble as he just kept compounding all his issues. And you can't have that. You can't have that in Big 12 play, in conference play. You may be able to get away with it against a you know a non-Power 5 or a smaller school, but you're not going to be able to get away with it basically in any Power 5 conference. And with Malik Murphy, there's the other end that people keep talking about. Well, Quinn Ewers added the running game, added the scrambling game onto his game this year as one of the abilities to fight this exact problem. That Quinn Ewers added being a mobile quarterback to his arsenal, lost weight, did all the work to learn how to do that, and now we know he needs to learn how to slide. We all know he needs to learn how to slide, and hopefully when he's not taking contact drills and trying to get healthy, maybe he's working on that. But... The ability to do that helped Quinn Ewers when he started to sense the pressure. He had an alternate route that in his head, he could still make a positive play and not just throw the ball away and not just uh, put the, not just let a defender get the sack. He could try to fight for yardage. And it's not always the best decision, but it's a decision that's easier to make than trying to stay in the pocket. And now stepping up in the pocket, if you have that ability, then that's great, but you also need to know when to swallow the football uh, when you when you get when you step up in the pocket as well, because guys are going to be swatting for it, especially in the third and fourth quarter, especially when they're down. They need that turnover; they're going to be going for it. So, but adding that running game, and a lot of people have asked why Malik doesn't. But for Malik Murphy, he's not really ever been that quarterback. He has been a pocket passing quarterback, and we saw with Hudson Card. In this Sark offense, we've seen it with Quinn Ewers now, that it takes about a year to get used to kind of how Sark tells you to run it and then logistically how you actually run it. So Malik Murphy is still in the mindset of this is how you run the offense. You step up in the pocket, you throw the ball, but you don't run it. And you'll hear Sark, I'll play a clip about Sark talking about Malik using his legs. And you hear where Sark himself says, I don't really want him to run the ball. But you have, like in college football, you have to have at least a little bit of mobility in most football nowadays, just a little bit, so that when you have your fight or flight response and that guy's coming right at you, your thought is not, let's try to force this football. The thought is, let me try and run and get two yards. Because if I get two yards, I did a positive play. I didn't have to take it. I didn't throw the ball. I'm in the pocket, so I have to get out of the pocket anyway. And that scramble will help you out a little bit. I don't need you to be a 45-yard rusher a game or anything like that. I just need you to get a little bit more use to running when you can. Here's Sark talking about Malik using his legs. 
I think every quarterback's different. You know, everybody's skill set's different. Um, you know, Malik's skill set is different than, than Quinn's, which is different than Arch's. You know, everybody's different. And what we try to do is have quarterbacks play to their strengths, um, and we try to call plays accordingly to their strengths, especially early on. And so, you know, I, I don't know if there's been a lot of, quite frankly, a lot of opportunities to where where Malik could have used his legs necessarily. Um you know, I, I look at, you know, the, the, the two interceptions, you know, he, he's trying to hit Jonte on a deep ball. He slips coming out of his break and, and and he floats the ball a little bit. It gets intercepted. The other one's on a screen. So neither of those two was it an opportunity to run. Um, and then some of the other areas that he had, I think more than anything for Malik in the game was stepping up in the pocket and, and not drifting in the pocket and drifting back in the pocket and stepping up and remaining accurate. He's a fantastic passer of the ball. He's got great accuracy. Um, and so when he gets inaccurate at times, we go right back to his feet. And I think he would tell you the same thing, he, making sure his feet are right. So, um, like I said, everybody's a little bit different in their, in their skill set and their strengths. Um, and like we just try to get them to play to their strengths and then work on those other things while we're while we're trying to build momentum as a player. Yeah. And so but that's this is the point of not even having to run it, stepping up in the pocket with Malik Murphy. The mindset needs to be aim forward. His problems with throwing the ball are when he's leaning backwards. He feels comfortable stepping away. He feels comfortable because he has the arm strength. That in previous years, you know, when you don't have the pass rush, when you have a high school pass rush and a good offensive line, you may not have to face the same ability. And even if the line's moving, you can just scoot back a little bit because you have the arm strength to make all the throws. In college football, that's not necessarily the case. And he has a tendency to scoot backwards to try and distance himself, get himself where we saw a couple passes tipped to the line because he would prefer to step back, get a better view of the field, and put the ball down there. However, that makes it a much easier pressure opportunity for the defense because now they just have to get around, and what your defense is trying to do, what your offensive line is trying to do, is create a pocket, which is, you know, to let him step into. So you want to keep him going forward, whether it's stepping into the pocket, whether it's moving forward and then deciding to run, you know, trying to run a little bit with your eyes still downfield, but moving forward so when your footwork, when you're throwing the ball, you're not throwing off your back foot, you're not throwing out of desperation, you're throwing with aggression, and you're throwing the ball forward. That's what Malik Murphy needs to work on this week. However, that's a very hard thing to learn in one week. Uh, that's a very hard thing to put in and change kind of something that, you know, you didn't realize was a problem until you started getting hit. So for a year and a half, two years, he's been working on things, not necessarily realizing oh, I have this tendency because you don't realize it until you get into those moments. So he's got a process. He's going to have to learn. We may see Quinn Ewers back, though. We have seen Quinn Ewers on social media posting some uh, some some uh, stories and whatnot that are basically saying or, or song lyrics and stuff that he's ready to go and he wants to play. Now, whether or not players always want to play before coaches you know, may allow them to play. So we don't know. Malik Murphy may be coming into this game and starting this game again. That's why we're talking about all this. But we do know Quinn Ewers is practicing this week. And so some a week where Malik Murphy needs a lot of help, Arch Manning is going to be getting some reps this week. Quinn Ewers is going to be getting some reps. Here's Sarks talking about trying to balance quarterback reps this week when you need to have three QBs getting reps because you don't know if Quinn's going to be ready to go. You don't know if Malik Murphy's your starter again, and you don't know if you're going to have to put Arch Manning into this game. Here's Sark talking about the QB balance, uh, rep, the balance of QB reps. 
Well, and in Arch, too, right? And so it, there, there is. It's, it's a balancing act, you know, and we try to be really mindful of, A, it's one to look at how many reps, B, what, are, what plays are they repping, right? And so that um, they're getting quality opportunities to, to develop their own skill set and C, who are they repping those plays with, right? And so there, there is, a, there is a, a balancing act to all of that. Uh, myself, Coach Milwee, try to try to do our best to to manage that, um, and then monitor it in practice. You know, if we feel like a guy needs another rep of something, we put him back in to get a rep of something. So, um, but that that's you know, it's never easy, I guess. Um, but but we're like I said, we're fortunate that we have you know three really good players at that position that need to all continue to develop and get healthy and and do those things to so that when they get in, they can play with uh, with the utmost confidence. There is some good stuff from Sark talking about the balanced reps. It's what you're going to have to do where this week is try and get everybody some practice and really work with some guys on the side as well. But I, I think it is. It's a Malik Murphy. He's going to come out. If he looks as good as he did uh, against K-State to start, then, you know, it's his job for a while. I would say in in my head, if Quinn Ewers is not playing this game, I want to see Arch Manning in it. I just want to see him in it. Uh, I you know I I don't want to necessarily be because Malik Murphy is playing poorly because I feel that is more detrimental. So if Malik Murphy's playing poorly, then you pull him out. It's more of a scheduled. We want to get Arch Manning into this game. He brings you the dual threat quarterback more than Malik Murphy does. So I'd like to see him in the game. Now we don't know if Quinn Ewers plays, and of course you don't want to see any other quarterbacks. You'd like to see Quinn Ewers go out there and play really well. But we're gonna have to see what that happens, and we will know more on Thursday, possibly if Sark gives us an update then. Text line's open, 512-447-3776 is the text line. Seeing some roll in already. We're about to get to those uh, right after the break. But I also want to give you Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day on the Horn. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day today, college football playoff rankings week two. I don't think there's going to be a lot of change between week one and week two, at least in front of Texas. Uh, but we don't know. We, you know, Texas may drop with the Oklahoma loss. If that, if you put them down, I mean, now I don't know if you drop them behind Alabama, even though they beat Alabama, but you know, we will see where the rankings put Texas, uh, today. The question I want to ask everybody now, and you can put in where you think Texas is going to be ranked. You can send that in as well. 512-447-3776. Uh, but also which conference has been the weakest this season? Because I feel when you talk about every conference, everybody has their claim that they're the toughest conference. And if we're looking at bowl eligible teams by conference, this is why it kind of caught me today. That if you look that the ACC, the Pac-12, and the SEC all have seven teams all right now that are bowl eligible. So looking pretty good. Looking pretty good. Now the ACC has a lot of those teams that are really mediocre and not great. But they have a lot of teams that have a little bit more consistency. The Big 12 is at five. Or the Big 12 is sixth, so the Big 12 right around that same level of teams that are you have good teams in there, but you don't have great teams necessarily. Other than Texas and an OU, and then the the Big 10, the Big 10 right now is with five teams. Only five teams have a are bowl eligible. You have a lot of not great teams in the Big 10 this season, yet they have two teams ranked in the top three, and people love Penn State too. 
Now, after Notre Dame lost, does that knock any luster off of Ohio State? If Michigan destroys Penn State, does that knock some luster off of Penn State and that Ohio State win there? Does the Big Ten, is the Big Ten overrated this season? Is it the ACC that they haven't looked great? Is it the Big 12? Is it a down year for the Big 12 and they're the worst conference? Is the Pac-12 overrated? We've seen now USC loses again. Does that shine start to come off of all the teams that beat USC that now, man, anybody could have beat them? And of course, they're beatable. They're a beatable team. So if we're, we're going to put them as this high-ranking team that everybody beat, maybe it knocks the Pac-12 down a little bit. You know, I think the SEC is going to be safe for the most part in this, but you could say, you know, that they're getting overrated and that Texas beat Alabama. And that, that that's if that's their second best team, then they have Georgia. I, I don't, I'm not going to say they're the lowest. I don't know which one is the lowest. Uh, it's a it's an interesting conversation because the, the knee jerk reaction I think is the ACC. I think that's the knee jerk reaction. The Pac-12 might be, but both those do have seven teams w- that are that are six wins. So they do have the teams that are going to be bowl eligible. So that's just something to look at. I want to ask you guys on the text line. How many, what, which conference has been the weakest this season for you guys? Which conference has been the weakest this season? That's on text line 512 447 3776. We come back, uh, we will read some of your texts, we'll play some sound from Hook 'em Up. We'll keep the party rolling here on Sports Complex on the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. Back on the Sports Complex here on the Horn. Playing veterans all week in honor of Veterans Day, which is happening Saturday. If you get the day off of work, you get off Friday. But uh, salute to all the veterans out there playing some men and women who serve this week as our musical theme of the week. Text lines open, 512-447-3776. Love when you guys text in and are a part of the show Love getting to hear from you, and you guys do drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. Uh, getting to the text line, we asked you big fat poll today, which conference has been the weakest this season? In your opinion, doesn't have to be fact. It has to be your opinion. Who do you think is the weakest conference this season? Uh, which which conference do you feel is down? The, the, the fact that the Big Ten only has five bowl-eligible teams right now where the ACC and the Pac-12 both have seven uh, the SEC has seven as well. Big 12 has six. The Power Five conferences, if you're just basing on that metric alone, which is a silly only metric to have, but they do have two of the top three teams in the country right now. One of them is embroiled in sign-stealing, and and then now they're claiming that the other schools were sign-stealing too. So they're not necessarily saying they weren't, but they were saying the other guys, are, they're teaming up against us. Uh, so it is, uh, it's going to be a sloppy situation for the Big Ten. And... Uh, Possibly one of the reasons why their their past commissioner has, has walked away because he may have known some things were brewing and was like, let me just get out of here. 
Back in the text line, 512-447-3776. Text line's open. Uh, also, if you have a prediction of where Texas will be in the college football playoff rankings that come out today around the 6 o'clock hour, uh, we'll give you the update when they come out. But if you have a prediction, if they stay at 7, if they move down uh, because Oklahoma lost, hurts their resume, if they move up because the USC lost, hurts Oregon, any of those things, send those in, 512-447-3776. Uh, that poorly thrown interception in the back of the offensive lineman is going to have Ewers on the field as long as his arm isn't falling off. Uh, look, I think Ewers, that the question is, and this is always, and Sark has shown to a point this season that he cares somewhat about their NFL draft stock too because he understands that's future recruiting. That is, you know, you don't want to be the coach who puts your guys out there and puts them in danger. Uh, Ewers' parents care. Ewers' parents also probably know, and Ewers knows, and the people around him and his advisors know, that he's, he hasn't necessarily helped his draft stock a ton this season and coming back showing toughness and being able to play well on that, if he is a, you know, a high enough percentage to play, could help his draft odds as well. Because he'll say, well, he got beat up, but he recovered quickly. He got back on the field. He's a tough kid. And he went out there and led his team to a Big 12 championship. And they were right there, but they lost that one game. If that's what he wants to do, then but we will see. Because we don't know we don't know how bad, the, how bad he's hurt. We all we know is he was posting some somewhat cryptic uh, posts on social media to make people believe that he was going to be uh, able to play this weekend. Mark from Taylor says, uh, do you like the way Sark seems to be whining about injuries? Oh, that's from this morning. Sorry. Uh, we are one mediocre kicker away from an L. Yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of Texas in too many one score games for how many teams that they're playing that are really good. I agree with that. Does Sark to say our quarterbacks can't tell the difference between practice and a game? Somewhat. But there is, you know, if you don't take hits, I mean, you you can watch wrestling all day long and think that it doesn't hurt as bad, and the minute you fall over, you realize how bad it hurts to fall over. I don't think you realize how much it hurts to get hit until you get out on a football field and someone's coming trying to kill you, and you're used to them pulling up because that's what you've seen for the last two and a half years, and I know you're supposed to simulate it, but it's hard, and that's why there's no substitute for playing. There isn't one. Uh, if we knew if we need a dual threat, then put an arch. I agree with that. And do you think Sark is overdoing the excuses? I don't think there was that many excuses in that one. Uh, I think he is upset about the play calling. I think that's him trying to. Uh, I I think this is more of him uh, trying to curry. Mac Brown was big on this about uh, uh, campaigning for his team. I think he's campaigning for his team. He's campaigning for his players. He wants to, them to look at. He wants Xavier Worthy. He doesn't want him to fall in the draft and fall out of honors of because he is getting out and he wants them to go, hey, you know, go look and see that. I don't think it's as much about the game as it is the players when he's complaining about these calls a lot of time. I think he's kind of trying to campaign to the college football playoff committee because he knows the Big 12 doesn't care. The Big 12 doesn't give a damn about Texas and Sark's feelings. So they don't care, but the rest of the football world might. And I think he's playing more to that audience and campaigning for a better college football playoff ranking, playing for campaigning for a better, uh, you know, scouting of his players. I think that's a little bit more of what he's trying to do uh, when he's when he's kind of giving this out. It's so much not an excuse of that's why we almost lost, but hey, this is why Xavier Worthy is still worth a first round draft pick. I think that's more what he's looking at. Now I'm, you know, there could be a, a NFL scout who says, well, if you can't break through a tackle, we don't want you anyway. Uh, all that said, Texas 8-1 and one and relevant. Enjoy. And Westlake would finish fourth in the Big Ten. 
Uh, they might finish fifth. They might finish fifth. But what, look, Westlake's good, but they're not that good as a power five, of a power five school. But yes, I agree with you. The Big Ten is really top heavy, and then it falls off. And then, you know, you brought in schools that are just not carrying the weight and not being able to rebuild. And it, the more it seems and the more info is coming out about this Michigan, Ohio State, and how much money is in those two schools. And the people in power there are really set on keeping the power there. And so the more you see about it is Ohio State is trying to, you know, confer with half of the Big Ten and Harbaugh doesn't necessarily play well with either, but they're trying to do their stealth stuff. But everybody's working against everybody and it's Ohio State versus Michigan and Penn State's trying to get in there. Penn State and Michigan play this Saturday. I'm not sure it's going to be a great game for Penn State. Uh, I, I guarantee they're working with Ohio State and they're trying to find any way they can to to handicap Michigan. But if Michigan, unless there's something crazy where they really handicap them, I, I, it, it's hard for me to believe that they're really stealing that much of signs that other people don't have access to. Maybe they are. Maybe there's a massive difference in what the, the stealing is uh, and it'll come out. Maybe that'll be it. But until that, we'll see what they do against Penn State this weekend. Uh, Chief Engineer says Hendricks is a vet. Yes, he was. Uh, there's some, here's some old, old, footage, uh, old pictures of him in his Army uniform as well. And I think you asked yesterday, Maynard James Keenan, the singer from Tool, went to West Point and was, uh, was enrolled there and was doing well. And then when they wanted him to become full-time uh, servicemen, he said, no, I'm going to be this band. And then he was in Tool for a long time. Uh, let's see. He also say, PD was what it was. And an inexperienced quarterback's showing struggles by trying to force plays. Mistakes are fine. Repetitive mistakes are not. I agree. And that's what you want to build because the mistakes he made against K-State, he had made the week before against BYU. Unfortunately, BYU couldn't capitalize. But these were repetitive mistakes. He has made the two starts he's had. He has played not great in parts of them, and he's made the same mistakes of getting lazy, throwing off his back foot, throwing under pressure, trying to save plays, and he has to stop doing it. Now, you hope that, you know, he, it happening against BYU, they'd never really in trouble so he didn't necessarily feel the pressure of that as much. But I think that now he's going to feel that pressure a little bit more. <laughs> hard to imagine Hendricks was the opening act briefly in 66 for the Monkees. Yes, that is hard to believe. That is uh, That seems like crazy. It's also crazy to think that he was playing with James Brown and all this other crazy stuff in Hendricks' life. And also the fact that he could put... LSD under his uh, bandana and play a show. I'm not that type of social user. Not not that I encourage any type of drug use or anything else, but I did have a youth. And uh, I'll just say I was a t- I'm the type of person that likes to be alone and then really hates being alone. So I, I tend to stay away. I'm, I'm too old for it now anyway. I just watch sports and, and complain and drink beer. That's all I do now. Uh, Chief Engineer also says, Big 12 is down. Oh, you funky. Everyone else besides Texas is A-OK. This is DUT's benefit and detriment. I think a lot of the conferences are very close in eating themselves, so to speak. I, they, they are. Uh, the one conference that is kind of the hardest for me to judge is the ACC. Because the Pac-12, we know they have some talent there. We know because the Pac-12's ending, they're going to get this favorable like sayonara that everybody left. And because all the other conferences are bringing in Pac-12 players. All the conferences kind of want the Pac-12 to be thought of as this great dying breed because they want everyone who comes over to go, man, they were a part of that great Pac-12, weren't they? Well, didn't we get a steal of these Pac-12 teams that are awesome? Oh, man, well, we did a great job getting these Pac-12 teams. 
And if you're just taking up a defunct, crappy organization uh, conference, why would you why would you buy that? So the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big Twelve all have reason to push the Pac-12 narrative this year that they are a good conference. So you have that. They're pushing their own narrative. But the ACC, really, you have Florida State. They're going to play playing Miami this week. They, they look like they can win and get in. They haven't looked great in some of these games. They don't necessarily, to me, look like world beaters. They look like a team who's going to get upstage. We know North Carolina was playing really well, and then it all fell off. So maybe that'll happen to Florida State, but maybe Florida State comes through. ACC to me is the hardest to judge, uh, but they have an undefeated team. And as long as you have that undefeated team, like the Pac-12, we can talk about it. The Pac-12 has Washington. As long as they keep winning, it seems like they're going to be in because Ohio State and Michigan have to play. I don't like how highly ranked Ohio State is. I don't think Penn State's that great of a team. I think Michigan's going to beat them by 20. So I think once Michigan knocks off Penn State, then we can stop pretending that Ohio State beating Notre Dame and Penn State was some revelry and that Ohio State really isn't that team and I, I, you know, I know that they're consistently good. I know that Marvin Harrison Jr. is a beast, but I don't think the rest of Ohio State is that team that deserves to be in the college well playoff just on name alone. I get that they get to. I get they have a lot of money. I get Ryan Day and all that. People have a lot of power, so they are pushing for it. But I think the Big Ten is a down, t- a down conference this year, and I'm not buying it that they deserve to have two of the top three teams. I know they're going to play each other, but I'm just saying – there's rumors that Ohio State could lose to Michigan, and it wouldn't matter. They're still in, and if that happens, that is a that's a detriment to the game of college football. That then that's also why they're raising uh, more college football playoff teams. Text lines open five one two four four seven three seven seven six. There's still a couple more texts too. We're going to get to them after the break. We're going to wrap up the first hour. Get in the second hour. Talk some Texas basketball. If you had any takeaways from that game. Uh, send those in as well. We'll get you the college football playoff rankings as soon as they come out. As soon as I see them, we'll get them over to you. Uh, and we will uh, we'll talk Texas women's basketball starts uh, tonight as well at the Moody Center. Uh, they'll be playing against Southern tonight at 7. You can check that out on Longhorn Network. We may talk about that a little bit. And some NFL notes as well. So if you got any NFL talk, Texas basketball talk, some more Texas football talk, whatever you guys want to talk about, you guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails there. 512 447 3776. And which conference do you think is the weakest this season? The reason I'm asking, college football playoff rankings seem to have some some thoughts that the Big Ten's a little bit better than I have them at. That's Maybe I'm a homer. We'll be right back on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex on the Horn. Back on the Sports Complex on a Tuesday afternoon, playing veterans, men and women who served all week, and honor Veterans Day happening this Saturday. You get the day off on Friday. Good for you. I hope you enjoy it, and salute to all those who have served for us on this Veterans Day week. We'll celebrate you all week long. Uh, We did get a text that says, uh, not sure about the guy from Tool. If you go to West Point, you're committed to serve six years. I do not know. 
uh, exactly how he was not. I was able to not be there. I believe he went to the prep school and was there for two years and was in wrestling and some other activities. And they wanted him to have an assignment at West Point, and then he decided not to do that. Then this was in the early '80s. I don't know the rules of it, but everything I've read about it, I tried to vet all these. Which all right, I didn't mean to pun that, but. I tried to make sure that all of these were actually veterans because I was going off certain different lists and looking up people uh, this weekend to put together the veterans list. And so I wanted to make sure everybody was in there. And I have multiple sources. There's pictures of them at West Point. So I'm going to go with I'm going to go with this. This is not a conspiracy theory that Maynard James Keenan. You can look it up yourself. And I, I don't know, but I'm going to go with him uh, as one as there were some others that were questionable in there, too, that I, I did not put in because. They didn't necessarily serve or they were dis, you know, discharged, but there's something, you know, not a lot of service, but a little bit, you know, but we're salute everybody, everybody who served and, and especially you guys who have served a long period of time and put your life at risk or, or helped help the country better. So appreciate all of you guys on this veterans day week, uh, back on the text line though, five, one, two, four, four, seven, three, seven, seven, six. We're asking which conference is the weakest. If you want to throw in where you're going to predict Texas gets ranked in this college football playoff ranking, that's going to be coming out here. Uh, momentarily, you can do that as well. If you want to talk any Texas football, Texas basketballs kicked uh, tipped off last night. I say kickoff for basketball. I say tip off for football. I don't know why my brain works this way, but it does. Uh, but basketball, if you they tipped off last night with a big win over Incarnate Word, uh, which the bookies nailed. It's a thirty-two point win, and what we found out last night is the line was thirty-one and a half. So the bookies nailed that one. They did cover though; they covered barely in that game. Uh, 32 points is covering, but we'll, we'll give it to him. Uh, and if you want to talk some NFL, we'll get into some NFL talk as well in the 6 o'clock hour. Any of that, text in 512-447-3776. Let's get to back to the text line. Why are, you not, why are we not talking about the Texas D looking unblockable, moving to JV level? I do not know to JV level what we mean by this. Junior varsity seems worse, but if they're looking unblockable, the Texas defensive line has looked great all season. Uh, I think there's certain O-lines that they've looked better against. Uh, and I'm and, and In all reality, they look really good when you're able to bring pressure, when you're able to actually bring somebody else out, or at least the illusion of pressure. If you make the offensive line not realize that it's four on five and they can win that battle if they help each other out, if you make them step off, if you make them make decisions at the line of scrimmage and you have to make them think, Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy can win one-on-one battles if you allow guys to keep double-teaming and pushing up and then letting guys slide out and get to the outside, and now your your pass rushers on the outside have to play kind of out because you're getting too many guys in pass coverage and you're playing laps pass coverage. I, I just There's a defense that PK slips into where you don't bring any pass rush anymore and you kind of sit back to make sure nothing gets around you, and I just hate it. I just hate it. But the defensive line has looked really, really good. Uh, the secondary, you can't say that for. They have moments that they're playing really well, but I'm also putting that somewhat onto what Texas uh, is play calling and what PK is play calling. Uh, in games, it's gamesmanship uh, from a texter here. It's gamesmanship. Let TCU prepare for multiple quarterbacks all along. You were let yours rest. We don't need him now, Derek. Uh, appreciate it, Derek. Uh, I look, I think there is some gamesmanship to it to let, you know, to prepare for different quarterbacks. I don't know how much preparing for yours and Malik Murphy is going to be too much different. I think that's one of the reasons why Sark really likes Malik Murphy. 
is that Malik can play a lot of the same kind of plays that yours does. They're, they're different, clearly. And so you're going to, you know, the game plan's a little different. I think Arch Manning is one that worries you a little bit more because he is much more of a runner, at least early on. You could say, well, this quarterback may run the ball on us because he has the ability to do it. Uh, then uh, Quinn, who, you you know, you got to prepare a little bit for the run there, but I don't know how much teams are for TCU. Uh, and they know that they've prepared for, for yours before. I do think it is something to – it is gamesmanship that he's not going to tell you who's starting. That's for sure. Uh, but I could see yours coming back. Again, I know it all depends on how healthy he is. We don't know. We, we know he's day-to-day now. But we don't know – we don't have the insight to, for them to go, oh, no, he's fine. Like, let's just see how he feels. But, you know, medically, he's, you know, he's not really going to get any better with rest. And holding him out doesn't do anything but maybe cost you a season, maybe cost you a Big 12 championship run, maybe cost you more because you get a second loss because you put out a young quarterback on the road uh, in an environment where, you know, Texas just struggled in TCU plenty of times. And TCU's down. And this is the, their biggest game now is because every game is a big game for them when you're having a down season. Uh, you know, I'm not necessarily scared of TCU, but if you turn the ball over three or four times against anybody, they got a pretty good chance to beat you. And if Sark keeps going for it because he, for whatever reason, doesn't want to kick the ball, he wants to put the game away, and he, you get you go for it a couple times, you get they get another block punt for whatever the coverage was, but we didn't have that block punt coverage in. Uh, that you know, you throw a pick or two and another fumble, you know, game, any game, any game can get out of control. And I think you want your best players in there. However, that all being said, if it's a 75% Quinn Ewers, yeah, start Millie Murphy every day of the week. Every day of the week. If it's a 95% Quinn Ewers, yeah, you can go ahead and put Quinn Ewers in there. I'll, I'll, I'll let him be 95% and get in. Uh, but yeah, I, I think there's a, a, you know, that gray area is that 80 to 90% uh, where you say, all right, well, how, what is that? You know, how do you feel? I, can I see you slide 20 times? Can we get you to slide? And we just know we'll just slide. Just slide for us, yours, and then we'll feel a little bit better. You get about get out of bounds because you're going to instinctually run. You train that in your brain now. You're going to do it. Text lines open five one two four four seven three seven seven six. Going to read some more texts when we come back. Get into some NFL, some Texas basketball talk too. They tipped off last night. We'll get into that. Uh, all of that coming up on the sports complex here in the Horn one zero one nine AM twelve sixty. The Horn app and HornFM.com.